Hello, everyone. This is Drew Flam, president of Grace College and Seminary and host of the Grace Story podcast. We started this podcast back in 2019 to share stories of alumni, professors, students, and friends of Grace. Of course, every story has hundreds of other stories connected to it, and the stories continue to accumulate as people live their lives. A few months ago, we interviewed last fall's alumni award winner, Dr. Phil Norris, the most decorated musician to graduate from Grace. Shortly after we recorded this interview, Phil's son was tragically killed in a hit and run incident. While this is no news a parent ever wants to hear, I want to share with you some of what Phil recently shared with me. He wrote, we're a little over five weeks since our son was killed and it still stings. This thought brings to mind words in 1 Corinthians 15. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we are at this moment, stung, but sustained in grace. The way Phil and his wife, Julie, have responded to this tragedy is a reminder that these stories we share on the podcast are but a small slice of people's lives. We interview people who have been impacted by the grace of Jesus and are willing to share a part of their story. Be encouraged as you hear Phil's story and know that even though life's trials have been difficult, he has continued to have an impact on those around him for Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Grace Story Podcast. This is the Grace Story Podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Phil Norris, one of the most decorated musicians to ever hail from Grace College. Despite the fact that he picked up the cornet at the young age of six, he never intended to pursue music as a career, but that all changed in 1971 when Norris was attending Milton Hershey School. After graduating from Grace College in 1976, Norris was asked to assist Jerry Franks at Grace and Lakeland Christian Academy. And after three years of working alongside Jerry, Norris began his stint of developing music education programs around the country. He finally landed in 1993 at the University of Northwestern in St. Paul, where he has taught music ever since. Dr. Norris was the 2022 Grace Alum of the Year Award winner. Phil, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I, uh, I'm excited to have you share a little bit of your story. And I mentioned the Milton Hershey School. Uh, but tell us, you, you had a unique upbringing um, compared to maybe many who attended Grace College. So tell us a little bit about your early life and upbringing and how you came to know Jesus. Sure. Um, I grew up on a small farm in South Central Pennsylvania. And um, just a few weeks before my sixth birthday, my mother committed suicide. And that changed the, the whole direction of my life. Um, and through that event, uh, years later, I think the Lord used it to open my heart <clears throat> to the Holy Spirit for his work in my life. The Milton Hershey School at that time was for boys who had lost one or both parents. And so <clears throat> in my high school years, going into ninth grade, I was um, eligible because of having one parent deceased to enroll in that school. My father saw that I was 
eventually college bound and that being poor farm people, we were not able to afford college. And uh, Milton Hershey School did have a college aid program. So I entered that school in ninth grade. And in my senior year, well, actually, I should back up a little bit. My junior year, my father, who at that time was 37 years old, died of a massive heart attack. And uh, it was right before Christmas. And um, I remember that, especially the, the day, the evening after his funeral, crying out to the Lord. I was churched, grew up in a, in a Lutheran church. And I <clears throat> heard scripture from the time I was very small, but not in a gospel sense, just in a liturgical sense. So um, that night after his funeral, I remember distinctly crying out to the Lord. But um, 11 months later, while at the Milton Hershey School, um, my assistant house mother, who was Joan Meyer Keene, who had attended Grace, um, one evening we were having a conversation and she, um, she said, well, if you don't have time for God first, you won't have time for anything else. And I was complaining about you know, how stressed I was at the time. And for some reason, the, the Holy Spirit really grabbed my attention through that question. So um, that evening, it was a Saturday evening, from about 10 p.m. until 2 a.m., Joan opened the scriptures to me. She had a very unique uh, way of presenting it. She would explain something and then turn to the Bible, and she would turn her Bible around and have me read the verse or passage aloud. And this went on for about four hours. Well, again, having grown up in the church and hearing all of these different pieces, it was like uh, pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, but the pieces are scattered and they weren't connected. And suddenly that night, the Holy Spirit, through Joan's presentation, reading the word, hearing the word, speaking the word, um, the Holy Spirit did a work in my life. Um, now, I'm the kind of person that usually needs a, a good eight hours of sleep. Well, I got up that morning after our conversation with about four hours of sleep, and I felt like I had been sleeping for a week. It was, uh, it was a remarkable experience. And I have to say this, um, I never prayed a prayer to accept, quote-unquote, accept Christ. And, um, so, you know, sometimes those are genuine and sometimes they're perhaps out of some human response or emotional response. But in my case, as we, we read in Timothy, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And that's exactly what happened to me. So Joan opened the word of Christ, opened the word of God to me. I heard it and the Holy Spirit did its work. So I think for you know anybody thinking about sharing the gospel with others, uh, the central point is that God does the work. And so we, we just simply have to be faithful to share the word of God in its simple, straightforward way uh, and let the Holy Spirit do his work in his way and his time. Wow. Thank you for sharing 
all the difficulties and the trials and how those um, brought you to a place of openness to hearing the word and responding to the word. And uh, it's a great encouragement as well. Um, the word says it better than we ever will. And uh, it's neat to hear the story. And, and it was so neat that Joan was able to be here in the fall uh, when you were given the uh, Alumni of the Year Award and, and you were able to recognize her and her impact in your life. I want to talk a little bit about music during that time as well. So, you know, you, you started the, the cornet at a young age. Uh, when was it that you thought, you know, music might be something I want to pursue um, more and, and potentially as a career? Well, going back to age six, one of my aunts had an uncle whose cornet was sitting in his closet for years. And I think as a, a means of distracting me from our family situation, uh, she gave this to me and I taught myself to play it. And then uh, you know, fast forwarding through elementary school, band, private lessons, um, and then going on to Milton Hershey School, uh, you know, for me, it was um, it was an outlet and you know, definitely a hobby. But in my senior years, as you're thinking about uh, senior year of high school, that is thinking about college and what you might want to do with your life. I was headed toward a career in microbiology. I had a full ride to a state school in Pennsylvania for for biology. And then uh, November 14th came when uh, the Holy Spirit transformed my life, regenerated me. And um, I, I don't know if it was a week or two later, and here's another conversation with Joan. And um, she said, well, have you ever thought about music? And I said, well, I don't think I'm good enough. I, I could ever be good enough. You know, I enjoy it. And she said, well, I think if you had good training that you, know, you, you could do well at it. And I guess I had never even seriously thought about music as a career. And then she said, well, there's this uh, man at Grace College where I went uh, named Jerry Franks, and I think he could help you. But she didn't actually push Grace at first. Uh, so I looked at um, Messiah College and considered some other uh, Christian colleges. But Joan and her husband um, in February of 72 um, paid my way to visit Grace during a musical weekend. And um, so I went out and I, I don't think I was there more than 12 hours. And I, I knew that that was where God wanted me to be. Jerry didn't even ask me to play for him. He just had confidence in, I guess, my background and what he knew he could do for uh, various musicians. Wow. And, uh, and so... I, I remember uh, coming back on the plane from that visit and uh, having an assurance that that's where I wanted to go. Well, the counselors at Milton Hershey School thought I had lost my mind, that I, I was going to turn down a full-ride scholarship to a, a school in Pennsylvania, go to this unknown, obscure, small college in Indiana, of all places, and um, you know, start something totally different. 
but uh, that's kind of how the short story of how I ended up at Grace. So you came to Grace and um, were, were under the tutelage of Jerry Franks and um, Dimensions and Brass. Tell us a little bit about those years at Grace and how you grew both in your um, faith and in your musicianship. Well, actually, my first two years were pretty hard musically for me because I was kind of in a remake, you know, uh, like they have the home makeover. I was in a and a trumpet makeover mode for about two years as Jerry was, you know, re remolding my skills. And I remember distinctly my sophomore year, this this one weekend, I was ready to quit. In fact, I think there were about five times in those first two years I was gonna say, well, you know, the only thing I knew I could do would be a janitor. I would be a good janitor. And that's a worthy calling if that's what God has for you. Um, so this one weekend I decided because I'd heard and learned about fasting and praying at Grace. And so I decided to fast and pray and um, went to church. I think it was the Winona Lake Grace President Church at that time, that Sunday morning. And something happened uh, in the course of the service. I don't remember if it was the preaching or the music. And God seemed to say to me, no, just stay the course. And uh, so I did by faith and the next two years went better in my i think it was my junior or senior year um one of the members of dimensions and brass encouraged me to use some of my background as an arranger and writer and uh, we were listening to this recording that he had of the hallelujah chorus and he said i think that would be a really you know great piece for the dimensions to play so I started working on it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was my junior year because I was still in Mrs. Phelps' music theory class at that time. And as I was working on it, I would show her the work, and she would, you know, make suggestions and criticisms to improve it. And that piece became kind of a a standard for dimensions, and it was kind of my entry into writing for dimensions in brass. So uh, upon graduation, apparently those last two years went so well that Jerry asked you to stick around for a while and and assist him um, in some of those years. Give us some of the lessons that you learned from Jerry Franks and being under his tutelage as a student and then sort of in your apprentice years after graduation. Well, I think one of the great lessons from Jerry was to point out that the student is the teacher. And so my job as a teacher is actually more like a coach. And so I need to have the right knowledge. Um, I need to, to understand how the, the students process the information that we give them. And so I think Jerry saw that I was able to do that in, in an effective way. Um, so, and then just using his modeling. So I, I had you know, three years after Grace to practice modeling after Jerry Franks. I mean, we read in scripture that, you know, the student becomes like his teacher. And so that was a, a time for me to 
to really solidify what I saw and learn from him, both uh, at Lakeland Christian Academy, which was at that time grades seven through 12. Um, so it was a, a good laboratory for me. And then to work alongside him. And Jerry actually farmed off uh, his brass methods class to me once. Um, and I think I taught some private lessons to some of the non-majors at the time. So uh, you, you um, learn under Jerry's tutelage. I have to ask, though, because he's he's known, you know, certainly for his teaching, for his playing abilities, but also for the mechanics, even mouth structure and teeth structure and, and some of those things. Um, did you have any did you ever have any uh, Jerry Frank's dental work done um, as it relates to your own trumpet playing? I did. Uh, there were two things. And that whole teeth and oral cavity aspect was sort of a work in progress. And, and I was there during kind of the early stages of it and through the developmental stage. So uh, I had a couple of things. Uh, first, if the front upper incisors are a little bit long, you can have them shortened. So I had those shortened a little bit. It helps you to keep your lip in down where the airstream goes through. And then um, Jerry also found that if the front upper incisors are somewhat angled rather than flat. Um, so I had a, it was kind of a reverse retainer device for my upper teeth and it would push my upper front incisors out so that they angled a little bit, a little bit more and less flat. And then the third thing he um, came across um, the idea of, you know, having a pressure point right in the center of those upper teeth. Again, rather than having the, the front teeth flat. So when you push the mouthpiece against your lips, uh, there, there's less contact between the mouthpiece and the front teeth. So um, he developed with a local dentist a hard shell acrylic, acrylic overlay that could be placed over your teeth. And these were all just different um, things that he was trying to help players with their particular, their upper range. And then of course there were some physical mechanics of how you shape your lips to play in the higher range. And um, so I was, I was there for most of that. Some of his other students were doing it. And so we could sort of see the results of his work and his ideas as they developed. I never went to the having crowns put on my teeth. That seemed pretty uh, dramatic to me. So most uh, most people get a retainer to make their teeth straight. You got a retainer to make your teeth a little bit more crooked. That's right. <laughs> and, and 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 very very small ways. I mean, not 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 real huge. Well, after your uh, your three year stint with Jerry, you went on to a uh, a career at multiple institutions: Corbin, Sterling, and then eventually at University of Northwestern St. Paul. Following in. Jerry's footsteps as a as a teacher and performer, but you are also noted very much as a publisher. Um, I, I believe twenty five plus band brass pieces, multiple books. Um, 
how did that begin to you talked about the hallelujah chorus but but that became a big part of your career as well as is publishing how did that develop over time well it actually started with jerry because jerry being from the pittsburgh pennsylvania area was good friends with walter volquine one of the founders of that music store and publishing company and at one point jerry said well i think you know, we ought to make this music more widely available. And I was writing some things for my bands at Lakeland Academy. So Jerry knew about that. So it wasn't just the brass music. And the next thing I know, I have a contract with Volquine and Pittsburgh for these 25 band and brass arrangements. And at that time, I think I was the youngest published arranger in America, again, by God's grace. And these were all, you know, designed uh, to provide quality band and brass material for Christian schools. So we saw it, first of all, as a ministry, um, not, not just as something that would pad our pockets. And certainly, unless you're a a top composer arranger you don't want to make you you can't make a living at at publishing and then you went on to publish uh with, with crown music press in chicago um and in various trumpet pieces and even your own uh music appreciation textbook and one of the things I'm i'm interested in knowing is you know what is it like to hear your own arrangements played and uh, what is that like to hear, you know, when you've written something down on paper and, and then to hear it actually performed? Well, it's kind of a mixed bag because it's it's a joy, but at the same time, you're hearing things that you wish you had done differently. <laughs> so that was kind of the nice thing about having Dimensions and Brass as a laboratory group, because if it just didn't turn out quite the way I wanted or something needed to be tweaked, uh, I could do that at, at the time. But, you know, once you put it in publication, uh, unless, you know, they come out with a new edition of it, you can't make changes. So I was pretty, pretty aware uh, that I needed to get it right. But um, I mean, yeah, I even cry at some of my own music. Is it, in some ways, it's a little bit of an out-of-body experience because you, you say, I don't remember doing that. <laughs> I, I don't know what that's like, though. I've been uh, a musician for a long time. I've never, uh, you know, written my own. And, and I, I that to me is such a complex process um, that it, it's almost, you know, as I've even considered it, it just overwhelming to think about the multiple parts and pieces and how they get put together it it, it is astounding to me yeah. um and so to have that many published pieces is quite amazing yeah well i guess i don't see it that way i see it more as uh a natural result of my upbringing because i was around music a lot my dad was a an amateur trombone player so i was around band and he had numerous recordings that I would listen to all the time. So I, I, I don't know, I guess God just had for one of his purposes for me to do this kind of work. Mm -hmm. And and it's a it's a 
craft as well as in art. I mean, there are things that there's maybe more perspiration than inspiration. Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask um, in your long career uh, as a musician and teacher. So I have three young boys um, who are all currently piano players. Um, that's the the instrument we have them starting on and then we'll allow them to choose as they go on. Um, what are some advice, you know, as you see the next generation of musicians uh, coming up, advice you'd give to parents or um, to those who are trying to instill music as a priority in the next generation? Two things, and I think you've done the first thing, and uh, I think piano is a tremendous foundation for any young person and opening potential for their development in music. And the second thing, maybe not, may not be as uh, obvious, but singing. So I think singing at home, because the human voice is the ultimate instrument, obviously, that, that God has given us. And all the instruments are just some kind of an imitation of the, the singing voice. So if a young, person can read music because they've learned it in playing particularly the piano because it encompasses the full range of notes that are available to us um, but then internalizing it by singing is really foundational I don't think anybody can really excel as a musician apart from singing because it's, it's so foundational so you should have your kids in some kind of singing experience, not just church, but in the home uh, or in some kind of a school setting. But that's great. I think, in the, I think in the home, it's like reading. You read to your little children even before they have any idea what reading is, and they develop a love and an ability to do it. And music is the same way. That's really good. I, I don't that that uh, singing part is kind of new to me, so I appreciate that insight. Um, and something I'll be thinking about more with my kids. I'll tell them, tell them tonight, hey, you need to start singing a little bit more. So we do like to sing as a family. So that that helps as well. well that's, sure. that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a plus. One, uh, one last thing I wanted to talk a little bit about is this last fall and the, the Jerry Franks um, Dimensions and Back Brass reunion uh, that we were able to have. And uh, you did a labor of love in arranging the music and the musicians and uh, talk to me just a little bit about, I mean, it's been years, even since uh, Jerry Franks passed away, but just um, the, why you wanted to be engaged. Um, what are some of the things that you did as part of that engagement? And what was that experience like for you and for your fellow musicians from Grace? Well, for me, it was payback to Jerry and to Grace for those experiences that were immeasurably valuable for me and then i knew uh, personally probably half of the people that came back to play and uh, to know that we had a shared common experience in in dimensions and brass and i should um, mention there were those from indiana wesleyan as right, well who were part right. of jerry and uh, i knew and brass and, there. yeah i knew some of them by um correspondence more indirectly 
uh, or by just seeing their names on albums over the, over the years. Because I, I kept in touch and, and is actually was still writing some things for Jerry when he was at, at Indiana Wesleyan. So that went on. Um, but my particular experience as a writer, as a director, as a teacher, uh, I think it just positioned me um, to be the person to coordinate all that. And uh, it was it was a once in a lifetime experience. I think we all sensed that and felt it. And in, in many ways, I mean, we had one rehearsal, like a two hour rehearsal. Uh, and the final product was probably one of the best sounding dimensions in brass ever. And we had some pretty good years. Uh, there was one year that dimensions, I think it was uh, 76 that we recorded two complete albums in one recording session. And again, uh, this it speaks to, to Jerry's skill in training and developing and leading his, his students that we could do something at that high level. That's amazing. And not only could you do it at that high level then, but that uh, a group of you could do it at such a high level now um from all over the united states some you know very uh haven't haven't picked up their instruments in a few years others you know having played regularly and being there it was a wonderful concert a wonderful tribute to the lord um yeah. and to jerry franks and uh, and his legacy and his family um and uh, thank you so much for your part and so many others um, who were a part of making that a reality. Yeah, and we have to thank uh, Terry Eichhorst for kind of the seminal idea of doing that, or maybe it was Bill Cadup. It was, yeah, yeah, Bill. I think it was Bill's idea, and he he, he got Terry engaged, and 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 you, and Don Bechtel, and, and so many others, yeah. uh, Terry White, and, and Rick Lovelady, and uh, so many who were involved and engaged. Yeah, and and all these people have been a great encouragement and help to me in that process. Oh, I should I should point out uh, I think the about the average age of our our uh, we call it the Frank's tribute brass because we didn't want to call it dimensions in brass it was it was bigger than that uh, but I think the average age was about fifty and so to have that many people playing and, and the, several of them are still very active players as well as there were a few who decided to get back into playing again after really a decade or more of of inactivity. And um, so again, I, I think this was a, a credit to our Lord in pulling that all off. We were yes. just kind of the conduits. Yeah. And uh, a CD has been uh, recorded or music recorded and, and folks uh, can get that CD if interested. Um, if you contact Dr. Wally Brath in our music department, he will ensure you get a copy uh, from that tribute band concert, which was so wonderful. And uh, Phil, thank you so much for spending some time and just sharing some of your story. Um, it's amazing just to hear how God has worked in your life. And uh, we just 
even tapped into a small part of your story. And we know there are so many lives that you have impacted as well, just as Jerry impacted yours um, through the gift of music. So thank you for some of your time and, and the way that you have given back and invested. Uh, it's my pleasure. And uh, again, all of this comes back to our Lord. Amen. Amen. And thank you all for listening to the Grace Story podcast today. We would appreciate that you would share this with others and like and comment on it wherever it was found. And thank you so much for joining us for this conversation with Dr. Phil Norris. And may you have the best Grace Story today.